What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Dipped in Tone. I'm Rhett. Pew, pew, pew. I'm Zach. And uh, we got a really exciting episode today. I think every episode we do is exciting. Right. But I mean, we, we're obligated to say that. We are contractually obligated to say that every episode is exciting. And you should be happy to, to be watching us and listening and um, all that stuff. No. Today we That's have right. Chris Shiflet on the podcast. Now, I'm particularly excited about this because... Chris is a member of legitimately one of my favorite bands of all time, the uh, Foo Fighters. Perhaps you heard of them. I, they did that song "Ever Wrong," right? <laughs> yeah, they did that song. Exactly. <laughs> no. The song they did. no, no, no. Uh, yeah, so we got how many? How up. many people was that the first song they learned? Oh, you know, like, that's a good question. It, that was the first song my wife learned how to play on guitar—a drop D rock yeah. song. But I feel like, you know. Uh, I feel like a lot of people learn that one first. Another question is, in terms of bands and catalog, what band do you think is has the highest number of first song on guitars learned? Does that make sense? Like, oh. every, if, if Everlong is like a hugely popular song to learn first, or like, uh, I don't know, something like Hey Jude or something. Like, who do you think it is? Is it the Beatles? Probably the Beatles. Nirvana? <laughs> Beatles, maybe Metallica is up there. Uh, yeah, so it's got to be like on this this list. It's got to be Beatles, Metallica, Zeppelin. Nirvana, Zeppelin. Uh, the, maybe not the Stones, actually. I don't think the Stones are... Because yeah, the Stones don't have... Eh, yeah, but compared to the Beatles, I think the Beatles have songs that are more easily approachable for complete beginners. Right. I Until do think you try to actually learn it, and you're like, shit, this hard. <laughs> Shit's hard, man. Trying to sound like Keith is impossible. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we got that coming up. Really excited. We have a really fun discussion with with Chris, uh, where we have an intervention with him on his uh, his current touring rig. Yeah, he so, gets uh, back for for, yeah, he... <laughs> for judging. Yeah. yeah, well, that's what we I don't, do. Here. Were the, I don't think we were that harsh, were we? No, Maybe we weren't. We weren't harsh. We were just, you know, just telling him it's time to step into the twenty first century. You know, and that's fine. And uh, that's we had. We have a holiday break coming up. Yep. So after this, our next episode will be January 16th. Yes. Like our so triumphant take a break. return. Take a break for uh, a, a couple of weeks, spend some time with the family, all that fun stuff, and then we're going right. to hit 2023 hard, hard and fast. Yeah. <laughs> Just the way I like it. <laughs> Just the way I like it. Uh, How was your week? Oh, it's been fine. Uh, we already, we're kind of like, uh, how do I say this? We've been recording a lot, getting getting ready for for everything. So I feel like we just talked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you and I have been sharing some Call of Duty fun, and that's oh, been great. Uh, yeah. And I think here's what I think: f all this, and let's just start streaming video games. Twitch, baby, Hell bam, yeah. reload. Dipped in, uh, dipped in, dipped in cod. <laughs> Not like that. Yeah, we have been playing a lot of Call of Duty. Me, you, McKinley. Um, yes. McKinley's real good. He's... Okay, so sidebar. McKinley, fantastic guitar player. Phenomenal oh guitar player. He's unreal. Uh, hard worker, sweet guy, incredibly funny. But he always would say, like, how good he was at Call of Duty. And it's one of those things It's like, you know, I don't not believe him, but I had uh -huh. bore witness to it. And then right. you and I, because what happens is we die and then we just spectate right. McKinley. Yeah, every day. And 
he just murders everyone. He's with, a menace, dude. With An such pro- proficiency. I yeah. watched him the other night. We were playing real quick, just real quick. Hold on, everybody. <laughs> we were playing in this. Uh, we're playing Call of Duty: uh, Modern Warfare 2, the War Zone, and uh-huh. we're in a little part of the map where the city's flooded. Yep. There's people all oh. around him. He hides under the water. <laughs> people walk into the room. He just shoots them in the back and then goes underwater like a goddamn alligator. It was amazing. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's so fun. But anyway, yeah. that's what it's, I want to. Re- I honestly want to try to to stream some games. So if anyone out there would watch, I have thought about like I don't know because look, we're casuals. Okay, there's probably oh, people yeah. that listen who are like that take that take this stuff real serious. We're not those Sweaties. people. We like to, we like to get get on, have a few drinks, and and just fuck around, you know, and and have fun. But I have thought about like what what would it look like if we just released our gamer tags or something and had like a podcast night or a podcast party mm-hmm. i mean it would be a, a shit show for sure but maybe a yeah. fun shit show i who I wants know. to see it let us know who wants to see it let us know in the comments maybe we'll do that maybe we'll do that over the holiday break we'll try it um because you can play cross platform right i'm on playstation you're on xbox that's right okay all right um so i uh oh wait what's one, what's been going on with you uh you know more of the same trying to finish up a video course right now trying to get ready for next year this is always the time of year where i'd like start to take stock of okay how'd the last 12 months go what mm-hmm. do i want to happen in the next 12 months i think you do this as well uh yeah and uh every so we're doing that every day <laughs> yeah yeah um living in constant fear that this is all going to blow up and end and you know i'm gonna have to yeah. go work at staples or something um no i think yeah, just just trying to get all the the loose ends tied up, get this video course done, get geared up for next year. Making a a big step forward in the studio build. I got an electrician coming over tomorrow to take a look at everything, and going to try and get all the electrical stuff knocked out um, by the end of the year, which is going not going to be cheap. But oh no, you know we uh, this is what happens. Like I put out a video course, and I can then use that money to build the studio. So um, if you want to support the studio build, retrolguitarcourses.com. Go buy a course. That money's Boom. going right into uh, finishing that studio space. So awesome. Well, something arrived in the mail. I have yet to mess with it yet, but I got some of those Stumac Hotwound Dual Rail humbuckers. The strap yes, size. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Sent my way. Those are going to make their way into that 1982 Fender Stratocaster that my father bought and gave me that has a uh, vintage Floyd Rose and uh, brass knob. It's going to be shred tastic you know what's so. gonna happen as soon as uh as a certain uh rj ronquillo sees this episode he's gonna be knocking down your door to get his hands on that strat oh he'd love that guitar that guitar it actually it really is nice <laughs> so he would well like yeah it. And that's, that's right up his alley i mean come on yeah that's yeah, uh not... it'll, it'll be on a an rj ronquillo saturday morning live stream near you very soon i i wonder if he knows how to set up a floyd rose because that would help but anyway i think he does does i think he did a stream on it one time Surely he does. But anyway, so Stumac uh, graciously uh, is sponsoring these. Wait, these wait, check episodes. this out. Hold on. Wait, Hold check on. this what? out. Right? What? Speaking of how to set up a Floyd Rose on your guitar, <laughs> if you ever need the parts and tools necessary to set up the Floyd Rose or whatever type of bridge uh, you have on your guitar, check out the sponsor of today's episode, Stumac. 
That's right. And you can go to stumac.com slash dipped in tone, get 10% off your order. I was actually helping someone on the, that pedal show Facebook group. Uh, they had a little bit of issue with one of their, their, uh, stumac pedal kits. They were making the, the sun fuzz, which I assume yep. is inspired by one very famous boutique fuzz pedal. But if you didn't know, Stumac also has these great pedal kits and the instructions are very clear. They just made a, a really honest mistake that I, I have done in the past, but, uh, I was looking over these kits and looking at the, just the circuit boards and how everything's laid, laid out and more importantly labeled. And, mm. oh man, it's so nice. It's just like, everything says exactly where it has to go. And that's what you want out of any sort of kit you're trying to make. You want it to be yeah. easy to build. So you yeah. got it. Check them out. I, the, the kits I built in the past, some of them have been less than uh, easy to understand. And for someone like me who's not a professional pedal builder, I need like a color by numbers kind of thing. Like take yeah. this thing and put it here. Then take this thing and put it here. And uh, yeah, seems like Stumac has got that covered. So link in the description. Get 10% off your order. Uh, thanks to Stumac for sponsoring today's episode. And yes. uh, my God, we are pros. That was the, the cleanest the cleanest read we've done. I don't know I if I've before. ever heard Mark Marin. Guess what? <laughs> My God. For you. <laughs> Mark Marin, get a job, dude. Come on. Seriously. This is, uh... <laughs> uh, all right. So yeah. Awesome. Well, with all that out of the way, let's, uh, let's jump straight into our interview with, uh, with Chris Shiflett and, uh, we'll see you guys afterwards. Okay. All right, Chris, how's it going, man? Good. How are you? We're doing well. Thank you yeah. for joining us here on our humble little uh, internet program. Yeah, no worries. I I had watched your review of my rig rundown, so I wanted to I wanted to respond to your okay your uh, your yeah, aggressive critiques. Oh, we're, we'll we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Don't worry. It's this is going to be uh, a, a safe space for you to to air out your grievances, and uh, it's 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 going to be good. I, I have to say though, before we get started, I think you have one of the best speaking voices of anybody we've had on the show thus far. Oh wow! It must be my um, my 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 decade long um, you know run as a podcaster has prepped me for this moment. Yeah, yeah, I think you got a future in commercial work, man. Just doing VO stuff for radio commercials man. for sure. Sign me up. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> nice. Well, we're going to get into it. Um, we got a couple of things that we wanted to talk about, but I think what we're going to do is... Do we have a rig to dip, Zach? Yeah, yeah. I so, do have one, so let me get that ready. So I'm, I'm sure since you've seen us dip your rig, you're somewhat familiar with the premise, right, Chris? I think so, yeah. Basically, we have a patron, a follower, who has submitted their rig. The rig has to be something that you would actually take to a gig because we, we mm. had an issue in the beginning where people were just sending us pictures of all their shit, and it was just too much. So yeah. it's got to be a concise rig, guitars, pedal board, amp setup that you would take to a gig. We're going to go through it. We're going to talk about the stuff we like, the stuff we don't like, and at the end, we're going to give it a rating, one out of ten shoils. Shoils is a proprietary unit of measure that we created here on the show, and uh, we'll go from there. And they they're they're willingly submitting their rigs to be dipped, yes. and so it's it's good, bad, and ugly. Let them have well, it. Well, now, so. do you find that people like do people want you to um, you know, to be like harsh with them? Is that kind of what they're looking for? I don't or are know they wanting a high five? Beat up necessarily. But just okay. like, you know, for art. honesty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just, like, just, you, well, I just want to point out you guys really didn't pull, pull any punches with my rig. 
You know what I mean? Hey, I know. So, I know. You know. Listen, we're, we're not scared. You know, I think it was uh, it was in good faith. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. We're going to start with that after we after we dip this uh, poor souls rig here. So, well, okay, let's. I, I let's got have an a interesting look. one here. So let's let's see if this. There it is. Whoa. Ooh. Okay. So. This, this is, is different, Mister. It's very different. This is from Mister. Rob F here. Uh, he said he's been playing guitar for uh, a little over a year, and this is uh, its current state of his, his setup. So he's got a Squire Affinity that he has had plecked, and new nut saddles, like he's kind of hot-rotted it a little bit. He plecked a Squire? Uh, he plecked his Affinity <laughs> Squire, which is, I don't know, kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, do, is the, do Wouldn't the plecking cost as much as, like, couldn't you just go buy uh, I, uh, an, an actual Fender? I, 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 yeah. Or at least another squire. <laughs> right, right. But hey, you know, maybe it's like a, you know, really awesome guitar, right? Okay, so, it could, um, be. could be. His his amp, he's got, his main amp is the Orange Dark Micro 20. Uh, on, well, oh no, I think that's, okay, sorry. He runs that normally with the little cab beside the squire. Okay. But he's added these two Zilla cabs, which are 2x12s. Um. Oh, okay, and right. It, it looked like a four by twelve stack, but right. then you, but then when you look the at the squire. <laughs> yeah, that's for, uh, squire for scale. Yeah, that makes more sense. Okay. Uh, and then with his, his pedal board thing, he's got um, he runs into a JHS three series fuzz, got a polytune, a Tumnus deluxe, a looper, and uh, one of the Layla splitter boxes. I guess for he switches uh, between the orange and the little Joyo head up there for dirty sounds. And then he has one of those JHS uh, black boxes as an attenuator. And this okay. this is it. This is his his rig. So very interesting. Okay. okay. I just have to throw out first, I'm not familiar with a lot of this gear. So Zilla, I've I'll never played through. Uh, Joyo, I, I don't know. Zilla is out of uh, out of England. They 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 make cabs for for folks. So fine people, great cabs. Okay. Uh, kind of like a, they built really heavy duty, kind of like an orange cab sort of thing. Yeah. All right. I I think I think we need to talk about maybe priorities here with uh with Rob because it seems like we're we're kind of we're kind of getting out over our skis a little bit. So the Squire. I mean, starting with the guitar, that's a great starter guitar. And if it's been plecked, it's probably set up really, really well um, it, for only playing for a year. I mean, look, man, I've played Squires. I've got a Squire Strat right now that's actually a damn good guitar. And, you know, we can drop pickups in there. We can upgrade electronics. We can do all kinds of stuff to make that work. So the Squire is interesting. I see he's got black pickup covers and controls here. Are those the stock pickups or do we know? Uh, it, it doesn't mention. Oh, no. Uh He's changed some different uh, manufacturer I've not heard of. Dylan McCurshy, Bonneville, Alnico's, uh, Alnico 5 Strat set. So he's he's hot-rotted the electronics as well. Okay. Okay. Pedal board it's is a bold a move. Word. It's a bold move. The, the plecking is a bold move. I respect it. I respect it. I respect the uh, the commitment to the Squire to say, I'm going to have this thing plecked and set up. And I'm sure it plays great. I think the pedal board's probably a bit of a work in progress from what it looks mm -hmm. like. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, a fuzz pedal, a Klon style pedal, a looper, um, nothing as far as like time. I think there's another little, there's something on the left there. I don't know what that is. Um, the silver box with a couple knobs and a screen. Um, 
but yeah, no, no, nothing time-based or modulation-y just really straight. I mean, this looks like someone who's getting ready to just play some heavy riffs. Right. So I don't know. I think the, 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 it's so interesting. These, these two cabs with these tiny heads next to this guitar, <laughs> just like playing at home or it doesn't mention anything about having a gig, uh, yeah. or anything. It's just a, it's a, I mean, Hey, if you have the room and no one is going to be bothered by it, why not? I, I would say I, if you're, although I admire the simplicity of the pedal board, that would be, my, uh, I think it is um, the problem for me in this rig, uh, if there's a problem. And for all I know, like stylistically, I don't know what genre of music the owner of this rig plays, and maybe it's totally appropriate to, to that. But I think that the amp setup is, is way overthought here. I think you need one amp um if you just start if you've been playing guitar for a year and a half um i'm just gonna assume you're at kind of a beginner level unless you're like some kind of insane prodigy or something but um i just i'd strip back let's get one amp one cab just keep it simple i'm and really as confused a, as, a, as just a, on 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 my um you know aesthetic sense here black pickups on a seafoam green or whatever color strat that is uh or i find a, a little aggressive it's a bit chaotic if i'm honest i agree <laughs> with you there it's uh it's not maybe what i would have would have gone with uh but the the cab thing is really confusing to me here i've this is what i meant earlier when i said uh, was talking about cart before the horse i don't i don't see the need for four 12s and two stat and like a full stack configuration Let's for, just be honest. Uh, when you've been playing guitar for a year and a half, you never need a full stack. Ever. I mean, I've been playing guitar for 20 years, and I don't know that I need a full stack. You know? So, uh, I'm looking at... He actually runs each of these heads. The Joyo, which is like an import, you know, more affordable uh -huh. line, uh, into one of the cabs, Dirty. Uh, and then the Orange, he's running more clean into the uh, uh, the, the second cab. So okay. each cab has its own amp. So, okay, I mean... It's kind of like using two amps, but I it just seems like you said, Chris. It just seems like a lot. A little I say ditch the whole amp setup and just use that little orange com uh, combo that's on the other side. Right. Yeah. Or just one cab, you know. Yeah. Just maybe keep one of the cabs. Although I will say, on an aesthetic perspective, the the we need to kind of get on some kind of theme here. Either we're going to go with the f big cab. We need a head that goes on top of that that is somewhat similarly yeah. sized. You don't need your backpack head. We don't want a backpack. Yeah. We don't need one, much less two backpack heads. We need right. one big head if you're going full stack. And from because what I understand about those oranges, they're actually pretty good. The little, you know, Terror series or Tiny Terror yeah. series. I mean, totally. a lot of people great. want them. They sound great. Yeah. So I think, I think we ditch the cabs. I think we ditch the Joyo. I think we get... Uh, the orange with maybe a nice. I mean, he's got the small one twelve cab there. I'm, I might would go oh, no, something a little bit. That. It's like a one eight or something. It's yeah, just the, the, I think you just solved it. Put the orange head on the little orange cab, and call well, it. Well, I would ditch all the cabs in this picture. Just get them all. Just get them out of there. And I'd get one a decent like one twelve cabinet. Put that orange on top of there. Uh, I'd swap the pickup covers back to white or some version therein. Um, and I continue to develop the pedal board setup. I think we need some time-based stuff. I think a delay or a reverb would be a good place to start. Um, yeah. What three yeah. series pedal was that? Was that the fuzz? It's the fuzz. Okay. That's a great fuzz. 99 bucks. 
really, really. I, I just got a tumness from Wampler. Yep. Uh, the the smaller version of it. It's like mini sized. Um, I, so I'm assuming it's a similar thing to what he's got there, uh, tone wise, and I love it. It's great. I put that right into my uh, solo uh, small board. Yeah, yeah, the, the Tumnus stuff is really good. I think the board is well on its way there. I think we yeah. add a couple more things. Um, the amp situation, <laughs> we need to we need to rework it's, a little bit. It's a lot of cables. You might get phasing or, or uh, like a ground loop if they're not plugged uh-huh. into the same. I mean, if, a lot of, if you're what, what starting out and you're, you're playing bars or you're playing, I don't know where people play, keg parties or whatever, you know, you don't you do not want to be lugging around a full stack. I mean that's just oh, no. you know, you want you don't want anything bigger than like a Princeton or deluxe sized amp. Well he's so. kind of canceling out the portability of the orange head with yes. these giant caps. <laughs> right? So it's like one of the main selling points of that little head is it is something you can throw in a gig bag basically, but you're just undoing all of that advantage by having the big caps. So if you want to keep the big caps, then let's Let's drop the heads. And let's get something up there that sounds right, looks right with that setup. Um, and get a couple more cabinets while we're at it. You know what I mean? Yeah, why don't yeah. I just, why don't I just have not? four? Let's get yeah. four. Fuck yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, okay, so this rig has some issues for me. We need, we need, I think this might be a product of... <sighs> Zach, I fear that we might have contributed to this in some indirect way as what, guitar... Why? Well, as as people on the internet who talk about guitar stuff, it can be a little bit overwhelming for a new person jumping online and jumping into YouTube sure. and trying to learn about guitar. It's like drinking from a fire hose. And I fear that maybe that might be where Rob is coming from here, where it's like, well, I need to get this. I need to get this. It's like, well, hold on. I think priorities are a little out of order here. So like we said, ditch the cabs, uh, aesthetics on the Squire, continue to develop the pedal board. I'm going to give this 4.5 shoils ouch yeah it's not working for me right now unfortunately chris what what are you thinking out of a possible 10 yeah um yeah i'd I'd say i'm i'm gonna go solid five just you know because you gotta gotta figure if somebody's a year and a half into it you know you're just trying different things and maybe you you never know how people i remember when i was a year and a half into playing and you know, I was just borrowing stuff from my brothers or, you know, somebody left a guitar at a rehearsal and you just played that for a while. You know what I mean? So you'd say uh, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I think I give it a I'll give it a five and a half. Why not? I, I think I mean, like if it were me, I would just ditch one of the cabs, both the heads, just get a really nice little head that you could switch the wattage and uh, and just grow that pedal board. Because, I mean, you could you, you could do a lot with this, but do you need to? You know, that's the thing. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Maybe we keep the slant cab. It's a cool cab. Looks nice. Yeah. Uh, ditch the heads. Develop the pedal board. Please put white pickup covers back on that squire. <laughs> the more I look at it, it's 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 difficult. And you know what, Rob? You know, like props for for sending this in. Only playing for a year, year and a half. You do you. I'm excited. Here's what I would like Rob to do. And a year from now, I'd like him to resubmit where he's at a year from now because we you know when you're a beginner that growth curve is really that learning curve is really steep and i imagine another year another 12 months of playing he's he's going to develop a lot more and uh start to develop that rig some more so he's going to go go. do one gig and he's going to lose that full stack 
real fast. <laughs> right. yeah. For sure. For sure. That's a lot to fit in your car or whatever. I, I think that's a lot to fit in your girlfriend's car. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think he needs to swap out that keyboard for a keytar while he's at it. Right. So, yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm bad through the, the stand. <laughs> I'll tell you, my, my, old, my oldest brother, I have two older brothers, and my oldest brother, Mike, um, inexplicably when we were young, bought a Music Man full stack. And that was his. That was his amp. And then when I started playing in bands, I just took it, and then um, and then that became my band's PA for a little for a short time, because they were you know it was like had endless headroom, and there were two. You could put a speaker on each side of the gig. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I would like to put that in Rob's suggestion box. That you know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's practical. actually got himself a, a PA. Yeah. yeah, easy to move. Yeah. Very very tameable on the volume yeah all, mm. all the things that you're looking for for sure yeah so okay speaking of rigs and dipping rigs let's talk about uh -oh. let's talk about it so what what were your thoughts when you watched us uh dip your your situation over there well you know my first thought was i've never seen people on a podcast um or anywhere sort of react to another podcast appearance or, or you know i guess the the rig rundown isn't technically a podcast, but you know what I mean? So that yeah. way at first I was like, Oh, that's oh, interesting. You know, this is like a brand new thing and I've never seen it before. Let's see what these guys have to say. Um, and so first off, let me put my hand up real quick and just throw out there. I am actually, and I'm overdue to go meet with him. I'm having, um, Dave Friedman build me what he referred to when I first met with him about it was a big boy rig. <laughs> Um, so, okay. and I, th and I think once we get that done, it's going to solve a lot of the issues that, that you guys brought up in, in, um, in your review of my rig. Cause I get it. Like my, my pedal board in particular is probably a bit dated. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so I'm going to have like, you know, the, like the full on MIDI set up and house the pedals off stage and, and do that whole so thing. Oh, so yeah. you're going like, and so I'll be able to. Oh yeah, so I'll be able to do like scene changes, you know, and all that sort of thing, where you have multiple pedals come on here and there, because we do a lot of that, um, uh, especially in Foo Fighters. I'm, I'm talking about my Foo Fighter rig, not my yeah. not my solo rig. My solo rig is you might be able to even see it in the background here, because I'm at my little jam room studio right now. That's going to probably remain um, somewhat archaic and old school. Right, right. That. Well, we can. T I, I'm interested to hear more about the solo rig in a minute. So, yeah, the the thing was with the rig on on the premier guitar rig rundown. I looked at that and thought, because I'm a fan. I I love Foo Fighters. I saw you guys uh, in Atlanta back in 2011. You guys headlined mm. Music Midtown back then. Oh yeah, uh, still I remember that. one of the best shows I've ever seen. It was fucking oh, badass. Right um, yeah. So. It, it came from a place of love. When I saw that pedal board, <laughs> I was like, I know how hard he's got to be working up there. And as as a person who has uh, had big rigs like that myself and had that kind of loop switcher before, you're just not doing yourself any favors by it. And you even said it in the rig rundown. I watched the rig rundown. You were like, yeah, you know, I'm having to tap dance and hit like, I, you know, can't jump on the things all at one time. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it's, uh, I think going to the MIDI switching thing have you ever had a rig like that before no and and i mean i'm i'm really looking forward to I, I think for people like me um there's oftentimes a resistance to technological change 
Um, mm. Not the least of which is because, you know, like it seems like with every new piece of gear you get, nowadays you have to like learn a whole new um, digital language or whatever, you know. So, um, so I, I think... And I'm, you know, I think I may have said it in that rig rundown too. Like, I didn't ever have pedals for a very long time. I've never been a very techy, gear centric um, player, and it's something that I've sort of become more interested in in really in in recent years. And and um, I was just kind of like I knew the amp that I liked, and I knew the guitar that I liked, and I just liked that pure kind of going straight into it thing. So when when I started playing with Foos, which was, you know, of course, a long time ago now, like there's just, there's a lot of, a lot of little bits of color here and there that, that uh, over the years, you know, every time you make a new record, you get a different pedal and you add it in there and it's, you need it for that one song. Right. If you maybe play it at the show, you know, kind of thing. And it's just, and your pedal board just kind of grows. So I do like the idea because, I mean, I found myself over the years, we have some, some songs that have very specific delay settings that, you know, Aurora yeah. has to be this very specific thing. Rope has to be a very specific yeah. thing. But most of the time, it's like, it's not really that. It's just, you know, a quarter de beat delay, you know, or like 400 millisecond delay-ish, you know, kind of thing. Um, so I do like the idea of, of having a, a rig where I can just have it. So, you know, I press one button and a phaser and a delay and a boost come on at the same time or whatever you know sure yeah it'll change your life honestly i had uh i made that switch to a midi switching setup about five years ago was my first one i ever had and before that it was just like i had the pedal train pro and way too many pedals like i had five or six different overdrives that were essentially all doing the exact same thing i just thought i needed you know different versions of it or whatever and yeah, I just kept running into situations. I had two problems. One, I would have I was running solderless cables on my board at the time, which were terrible, and they would always break. And without some kind of loop switcher, there's no way to, you know, you talked about this in in the rig rundown how you can just isolate that kind of thing, and your tech doesn't have to come out and and figure it out on the fly. Um, but the tap dancing thing, when you do have to go from okay, the verse sound is a spring reverb and a slapback delay and a phaser and a compressor. And then I need to go from that and in one beat to just a fuzz and a dry sound. It's, you know, a game changer being able to just punch one button and have it do everything for you. Yeah. I look forward and Dave to Dave knows how to build a rig too. So, um, Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, I've been playing through his amps for years. So I'm, I'm, um, I, you know, I, I trust his, uh, his take on on sort of how we should put this whole thing together so on the amp thing how did you get uh and i'm asking for myself here how did you get yourself uh, your hands on 412 fox cabs through uh through the kind people at vox yeah you just called because them up what... and asked and they built them for you <laughs> yeah well yeah but, i mean pretty much yeah like um i had been using um, those hand-wired AC30s, you know, as yeah. as the, the as my AB thing between the Friedman. Mm -hmm. But when you have, like, you know, even with a couple of them running up there, um, because, you know, like Rob earlier, I have technically a full stack up on stage. Um, right. Of course, I'm not driving it there in the back of my <laughs> Prius or whatever and having to load it in myself, but, um, which is why I have it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so... 
it, like changing between the AC30 and the Friedman when I had the AC30 combo just sounded weird on stage. It probably sounded fine in the house because, you know, you're just miking whatever one speaker or a couple of the speakers. But for standing there in front of it, it would be this, it would, it would go from, you know, this huge sound of the full stack Friedman to like the AC30 always sounded really small to mm, me right. up there, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted, I wanted the AC30 sound, but coming out of 412s. It looks badass too. I like love it. The way that it's yeah. laid out, those, those 412 Vox cabs, I, God, it, it looks so good. It's right. funny. One of them, I don't know if you noticed, and I don't know if it's the one that's in the rig rundown, but one of them has a hole in it. And it was, it was, I've never had it fixed because it was burned in there by a laser. Oh, yeah. We had, we had no, I don't remember how it happened, but we had some sort of laser thing in our live show, and, and somehow it burned a hole through my through the mesh on it. And I was like, wait, wait the lasers that we use on stage can literally burn a hole in you? <laughs> who, who the fuck knew that? <laughs> it stayed still long enough. Yeah. Are you, and you, are you running all those on? Like, are they all on? No, I should do that. I've done that kind of thing before, you know, on a smaller level, you know, but no, I, I always just A-B between them. But I, there was a time um, with my solo thing years ago when I took out, like, uh, I had a deluxe reverb on one side and an AC-15 on the other, and I was run, mm. running them together. And that those two sounds really complement each other well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah, the Vox kind of filling in the mid-range that the Deluxe is scooping out. and yeah. yeah, and then you start adding in like some ping-pong delays to that, and that can be very cool. Yeah, I think, um, so your, your new rig, you're going to have just a, a floor controller, and all the, the pedals and everything are going to live in a rack case and shelves and everything off I side stage. I think so. I think so. We're going to try to make it as clean as possible, which, I'll be honest, gives me a little anxiety. There's something about not having your pedal right in front of you. So just in right. case, because you know it is those, those things move around, especially when you're touring. So, um, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I'm gonna, that's there's gonna be a bit of a learning curve there. I'm gonna have to learn to trust, you know, my tech to make sure that, that it's not all fucked up. But I trust. I love my tech. I'm just making fun. Yeah. Also, you're a you're one of the people that, um, like myself, you're a fan of the deco. Strymon Deco, yes. which I still yes. think is one of the most slept on pedals out there. And I think it's kind of Strymon's fault. I don't think they've done a great job of really explaining what that pedal is and, and what it does. Mm. Um, and you talked about this in your rig rundown, how it's uh, it's a sort of an always on thing for you, right? It has been recently. So my buddy, Alex, this is a long convoluted story, but a, a buddy of mine named Alex, who was over at my studio doing some work for me, um, noticed that I had one on the shelf because I had one of those a few years ago on my on my board. It was probably more than a few years ago now. But he goes, oh, man, you ever do that thing where you where you set it so that it, you get that like wet, dry slap thing? I was like, wait, what? I didn't even know it did that. I didn't know that it, it, this turned me on to a whole thing with all these Strymon pedals that I didn't realize that they're like these special ways that you can set them to do different things mm -hmm. than just sort of what they, what you think they do. So he goes, oh yeah, check this out. And he, and he, we put it on my board and he, and he showed me what he was talking about. And, um, I mean, it's just instant, like it just, it's, it 
your guitar just gets huge with that because you know mm -hmm. you just got the tape slap coming out of one and i said it pr almost right on top of each other just a just barely offset you know but i don't i'm not even really using it as a slap it's almost i use it more as like a a delay chorus or something you know yeah yeah because it can go from like flange to chorus to double tracker to tape slap to full-on tape echo yeah just with yeah. that one time knob yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's amazing so that and then i've been messing around with those um i don't uh i forget what it's called on the timeline but the sort of ping pongy delays and when you get them all going at the same time that's just like a, that's a really big nice wide tone the top of the the rig rundown on on premiereguitar.com uh it has your your stripped 57 so you yeah. entered like you're now in the the echelon of players who effectively have a burst i mean it's not you know right not was was never and you know unless you get it refinished like what has that been like what has that taught you about like the golden era of those those guitars or had you had a lot of experience with with you know that era of gibson les paul and, and whatnot? not a ton i've never owned one from that era you know i've picked up the odd 59 here and there when i've encountered them um as well as like you know 56 57 50 whatever you know all those kind of surrounding years I think the difference, I mean, it, that guitar sounds amazing. It's just got a clarity to it that uh, that is just, it's hard to explain, but it's just different. It's just different yeah. than, than any other Les Paul that I've got, and certainly different than any anything, you know, that's that's modern. I, I don't know what it is. I'm sure somebody could probably explain the science behind it. So there's something about those guitars. The wood feels light. You know, they're obviously very lived in and, and you know, worn in. And it just, uh, at first when I got it, I think I talk about it in there, I, I, I just intended to just keep it at the studio, but, you know, Pat was like, what are you talking about, dude? You got to play that thing. <laughs> Bring it on the road. <laughs> are you crazy? Um, yeah, so I pretty much and, take it everywhere we go now. Right. And had it, do you know if it had been, I mean, obviously it's had a lot of work done in its, in its life. Um, yeah. But do you know, like, is every, like the pickups are original and all that stuff too? Yeah. Yeah. Like, pickups are yeah. original and um and i don't know its history i don't know who owned it i don't know why whoever owned it took the paint off you know there's a pretty nasty headstock repair on it that um i could fix but i don't think i'm gonna fix you know just because i just like the way the guitar sounds and i just don't want to mess with it you know yeah um but I, I i like i know it's not the same thing but i like that it's it reminds me of the mick ronson les paul you know because oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he yeah. took the paint off too, but um, yeah, yeah. Was it's that... kind of the perfect the perfect storm for a vintage guitar like that. Like it's it's player grade in the sense that you know most sort of collectors would maybe turn their nose up at it because it's been you know stripped and it's had the headstock repair. But it, from what it sounds like, it's kind of got all the the makings of a truly great les paul it's lightweight it's got the pickups yeah. it's it's the right wood it's the right year and because it's kind of been through the ringer it's you know ready to go on and live the next chapter of its life and one of the biggest rock bands of all time i mean that's pretty badass you know yeah. well and it's it's exactly it's got all those things but like you know at the same time if if uh, somebody spills beer down it i'm not gonna it, stress too hard you know what i mean so it's like right. the perfect guitar to have out on the road yeah, and and that was something you had always kind of dreamt of, or or 
did you know like spilling a, a beer on a 57 Les Paul no 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 it's been a fantasy all these years it's an, occup fi it's an occupational guitar. hazard man um <laughs> Yeah, um, no, you know, I, it's funny, man, for the longest time, I, I used to sort of pride myself on this idea, like, I don't need all those, you know, I'm, I mean, I think just, I didn't have any money, so, right. I, and, you know, I just always kind of was like, I always kind of had a snooty, a, 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 or I always thought people that were like super gear-centric were a little snooty for my tastes, um, but then I got some old gear and I was like, wow, this is fucking really good, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I see what they're talking about. I shouldn't have spent all those years buying brand new shit. But I always kind of had this mindset of like, I just want something I can take out and thrash. And, you know, I was playing yeah. in like punk rock bands and, and you know, and Foos is like a, a big loud rock band. I just, you know, I always had that, you know, I sort of came of age as a player in the late 80s into the 90s and. It was a uh, it was an aggressive time for guitar mm -hmm. players, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think about it, my my guitar playing style and how it's evolved over the years. Like my hand, my right hand, used to just be fucking bloody every right gig. <laughs> uh, I, I'll, all right here, all right here, because we just were just you're just playing music where you're just fucking hammering the guitar, you know, with like elevens yeah. and really heavy picks and super hot pickups and just going, gah, 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 you know, all that stuff, you know. And um, and I think as I've matured over the years, I've I've gotten a lighter touch, right. And so maybe I appreciate the nuances of the that beautiful old gear a little more. I always liked it, you know. But I, I mean, I was always into the vintage stuff in a sense, um, aesthetically. I just never owned any of it. Well, I think you're not far off with the idea that the the vintage gear world can be very gatekeepy and and sort of snooty and coming from a player's perspective it you know when you don't have any money and you're playing in bands and, and trying to make it work the idea of spending like 30 40 grand 100 grand on a guitar or something is just unfathomable it's unattainable um, you know for the vast yeah. majority of people but also you and, spend your whole life like you know trying to hang out in guitar stores and being chased out by the people that work there who are never ever nice you know like yeah um yeah. you know it's, it's sort of it just made me go like well fuck you people yeah well i think some people get off on the on the like unattainable factor like that's yeah. that's for some of the vintage guitar world i think that's really the appeal it's like you know the the i i struggle with the collector thing because in some ways it's really cool like we have some friends that are collectors where to them it's more about like preserving the history and preserving the story and being stewards of these instruments and bringing them into the next generation then there's the other side of it which is sort of the like like we talked about the fact that it's unattainable and and all that kind of stuff and it seems like your approach to your instruments is that these are tools for a job and it doesn't matter if it's you know something you just got off the line from fender or you know your you're 57 it's a tool for a job and it fills a need for sure and you can't baby yeah. them you know um and in in like rock and roll you can't you know things have to be that's why gibsons and fenders are, are built the way they're built you know it's these things have right. to be built tough you know you have to be able to drop them and not worry uh too much about them yeah right yeah. So, so oh go ahead uh, well i was just gonna uh ask so on that note like you you talk about how for a long time you were a guitar cable and amp kind of guy 
and over the past you know several years or, or time with the foo fighters that you've you've kind of grown into becoming more of an effects user so can you talk about your approach to effects is it something where you are you guys are in the studio and you're just messing around with sounds and then you find a sound that inspires a part or is it the other way where you have an idea in your head of what you want something to sound like and then you go about trying to get that out of the speakers oh i mean it's really both i think you know i i think it usually starts um with a reference point you know something in your head that you're that you're trying to find and then depending on who's in the room who's producing who's engineering which ones that your bandmates are around you know everybody sort of starts weighing in on stuff and it and then it evolves into something else i mean that's that to me is on the studio side of playing is like the funnest part of of what we do or what any, what any musician does it's that thing of like going into the studio with with an idea and then everybody throws their thing on it and it just evolves you know and becomes this this whole other thing and it's you know nine times out of ten it's it's better than the way you you pictured it in your head um and and that's like you know with all the different people we've worked with over the years or i've had the pleasure of working with over the years it seems like every album you make or every time you're in the studio somebody's got a cool old flanger or an echoplex or something that you kind of go mm, i gotta get gotta get my hands on one of those you know yeah yeah so what you were talking about how you're for your solo stuff because you just had a single that came out just a few months ago, right? Yeah, and I've got an album that I should plug that's uh, that's coming out next year. So we're going to start okay. putting out some tracks from that here pretty soon. Awesome. But the rig on that is, is obviously, because it's a totally different vibe and style. Yeah, so like, yeah. Uh, I couldn't see it in the back there, but what what is your normal setup for, for some of that? You know some of that style stuff well for the stuff that i've been recording lately um you know I was, i've been recording out in nashville um those two songs that i put out over the summer and then the album that i made um i pretty much approached them the same where i would fly out there to go record and i would bring with me i think i have it right here actually hold on one second. Uh, yeah <laughs> and i would bring this Ooh. Oh, yeah what's that so i would bring this is a uh a fender custom shop you can see he's got the nice custom shop thing on the wall it's if i, if I wasn't so well lit you'd be able to see that um <laughs> that ring light's doing doing work man <laughs> yeah um yeah this is like uh, i bought this out in nashville years ago when foos were out there recording a song at um see the ring light reflect in there yeah it's amazing Beautiful. look at you the halo yeah. you're basically I a know. youtuber now man <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I bought this when we were out there recording at Zach Brown's place for that Sonic Highways record. Um, and yeah. this was at Groon. And it's supposed to be, I think, a 53, but, you know, I don't know when it was built. Sometime in the right. 2000s. But this has been my go-to telly, really, for my solo thing um, for a while. And I would bring this with me to record out in Nashville for all this new stuff. And then my pedal board, and I would usually just cram a bunch, as much stuff. I'd bring like one of those red, like I think I have it on my Foo Fighter rig, the, one of those red Klon, you know, newer oh, the KTR. Klon KTR. Yep. Yeah, that's one. And, um, and then a bunch of the stuff that is probably on there, a micro pog, uh, EP boost, you know, stuff like that. But I would record my stuff just through whatever... Um, amps were at the studio pretty much you know i recorded a couple songs with vance powell and i mm. think those are through his 
Deluxe Reverb, and then I, my new album was produced by Jaron from um, Cadillac 3, and cool. he would just, for the, and, and we did it in like three or four different recording sessions, and he would just bring one of his amps, I don't even remember what it was, some boutique cool little thing that that he had, and I don't think it was the same from one session to the next, but, um, and I would just do that, yeah. Um, I, there's a certain... Um, I don't know. There's a certain like I, a freedom in in not overthinking that stuff too much, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like if something sounds good, just that then you know, you don't have to do that thing where like we played through three hundred JMPs until we found the right one. You know, I mean you can do that, but you don't have to. Um, and also, uh, I don't think I don't think it's. On, I didn't bring it out to record, but I've been playing this one a lot lately, man. This one is like oh, my, man, my man. main go-to, go-to. I love and a Paisley is, Telly. I know, and I love that uh, whoever did this tried to make it look like it's an old one that's faded. Yeah, uh, so cool. But it's it's not. That is so cool. Yeah, this so is some recorded... weird parts guitar called, you can see sort of, it says King Relics. I don't even know what that is. And then on this side it says Fender, but... I think it's like a Fender. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. Don't uh, show them that. Yeah, we'll just we'll blur. Well, that as long out. as it says Fender, they don't care. <laughs> yeah, as far as the world true. concerned, I'm playing a Fender. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so you recorded with with Vance? Was that at Sputnik? His his place? It was. There? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wait, are you guys in Nashville? Where are you guys? I'm in Nashville. I'm in You're Atlanta. In oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and I'm always interested to hear about the, the studio side of stuff as well. Um, and I think you're right. There's, there's a big thing about, you know, just working fast and committing to an idea. I think it, and not spending a ton of time going through every single option and every single, you know, speaker or cabinet or whatever, just to get like, okay, this sound works. I have this idea. Let's put this down and move on. Um, is that mostly how you like to work when you're in the studio? Well, I think I was sort of thinking of it like, you know, it sounded good. We're just getting basic takes. I knew if I needed to or if I, you know, if if if, if I felt like it after the fact, I could always just redo my guitars as long as like, because, you know, when like tracking with Jaron um, was like, it was, I'm playing guitar, Charlie Warsham's playing guitar. Um, uh, a dude named Nate uh, Ketterly, I think is how you pronounce his last name, was playing guitar uh, as well. So there'd be the three of us, and um, you know, as well as like drums, bass, and and um, and and keys on some of it. Um, and really, more importantly, was that we capture, you know, good takes of the song. But really, most importantly, was like what everybody else was doing, because like I could always take yeah. my stuff home and tweak on it, which I did, you know, and I would add stuff to it and redo you know this and that and maybe i think i recorded probably most of my guitar solos for the record like after the fact not all of them i did there's one on the record that me and nate sat down and worked out a full-on like like thin lizzie leonard skinner guitar mini nice full-on harmonizing thing that that was really really fun to record but um but yeah like so so i and and you know that and you know obviously Jaron knows tone and knows guitar and and all that stuff. So he brought down great little combo apps that sounded great and it was never an issue and and um and it just sounded good. So yeah. Were you guys live tracking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the room. Bunch nice. of Nashville hotshots, man. Those guys get it quick. 
Oh, yeah, they work fast up there. I'm always the one in those sessions that's like, wait, what, if, when does the bridge come? What What are we doing? Can somebody chart? How, how do you read this chart? Yeah. <laughs> right. what, Nashville number what? Yeah. <laughs> now, it was, uh, it was, it's the beauty of, of recording out there, um, and especially with the... With I mean, with all the folks that I've recorded out there with over the years, but um, but the but the crew that Jared assembled was just fantastic, and those guys really bring a lot to it. You know, I I love having um, multiple guitar players on it because everybody's doing something totally. We we none of us play like the other one, and so yeah. it's all it's it's like those the guitar parts that those guys are working out are just things that I wouldn't ever think of you know it's great so on on that uh i'm glad you brought up the sonic highways record because that came out in 2014 i think 13 14 something like that something like that i and i watched so i was 24 at that time and i just started interning at a recording studio and when the series came out i think it was like hbo or something that that you guys did the documentary series with that was huge for me because Mm. you know i wanted to you know i started working at the studio and i wanted to learn about this and being able to watch you guys go to all these different studios and show how different every single one was from another and how each space sort of inspired a different song and a different sound can you talk about what that experience was like and and maybe what your favorite place was that you guys tracked at yeah, it was hard to pick a favorite. I mean, it was really a, 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 an exciting thing to go do. I mean, if if memory serves, we would be go- we would be in each town for about a week, and we would have about a week between each trip, so it, it was spaced out nice. We started in Chicago in the winter time, which was cold as hell. So I remember that's my people always ask what was your favorite city city, and it's not really fair because like the first couple were just fucking freezing our asses off you know we're like in <laughs> chicago in the snow um so uh you know nothing against chicago but uh but right uh, you know by the time we got to nashville it was a little warmer um <laughs> you know so so yeah and, and we you know all the everywhere we went to were 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 great towns you know austin was super fun um you know new york uh and then out in the desert here so the whole thing was was uh was was a treat and I think you know you knew that you were doing something that was like you know we'd never made a record like that we're never gonna make a record like that again it's just Mm. this total one-off um and it was it was really it was fun yeah I I loved it man I thought it was it was fantastic and it it really kind of lit a fire under my ass for wanting to get it was I think it was being able to watch people actually in it was the first time I was able to watch people actually in a studio working and kind of getting a feel for what that environment can be like and sort of the mm. collaborative nature of it and and um, how important the space is, I think, yeah. to the to the sound. So it was really amazing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think a big part of recording is, is um, you know, of course, it's how you feel. You know, it's why when you're in a band for a long time and you have a a comfort zone with all your bandmates and you know oftentimes you're working with people who you know well and everything and it's a big part of it you know to be to be because recording you're vulnerable 
you know, and yeah. you're, especially when right. you're throwing out ideas and trying to find something. It's like when sometimes it's just quick and easy and sometimes it's it's not, you know, and it's like, you know, you really where you're at in your own head has so much to do with what you're able to do um, creatively. And and uh, and so your environment, you know, plays a big, big part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we, we got a, some questions from some of the patrons uh, who are watching, and there was one really good one uh, came in from Chris asking. Uh, That's what me. I actually, I'm you? asking myself. Well, I'm throwing it's myself it's a, a softball. <laughs> you got into Discord. And you... <laughs> um, yeah. what, what, well, kind of. What advice would you give your younger self about gigging, seeing as you've you know, been gigging for so long? Like, What would you tell your, yourself? Like, Turn your amp down. <laughs> yeah 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 for sure you're driving the sound man fucking crazy <laughs> turn your amp down <laughs> god damn it what, what i think you, you know the big then? probably the biggest advice like you know um i would give my younger self would be i, mean, I don't know i don't know if this is good advice or not because you know everything just feels like it means everything when you're young and you're starting out and i would probably yeah. advise myself to not take it all so seriously um, but then again, that's like kind of the thing that gets you where you want to go is like every gig's like, this is the one, you know, it's sure. funny. I was, I was just, um, listening to, uh, a buddy of mine texted me yesterday and asked me to send him this demo that, that my band had made like in the late eighties. Um, this is a buddy of mine that I grew up with and he was just like, oh, man, I haven't heard that since then, you know, to send it, send it to me. So I was like looking that up. In, in on my computer and I found this um, this rehearsal recording of my band from 1990 and I'm not exaggerating dude there's like a like three minute guitar solo in it that just yeah. like goes forever and it's so spazzy every <laughs> second of it is just like <laughs> just like the yeah. whole time and i'm like i can't even play guitar like that anymore like the 90s killed that ability in me you know what i mean uh. <laughs> um but i i guess that would be some advice like take a breath mm. you don't oh, yeah. have you don't have to yeah. do every lick every time yeah well it's when you're young it's so you want to i mean i know for me i wanted to be the star of the show and so my amp was loud and i was yeah. really focused on me and not the band yes. and my friends I was playing with. It was really self-centered and it's so hard yeah. to like get yourself out of that. Yeah. Also listen to the drummer. That's good advice uh, for everybody in the band. Listen to the drummer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would add on to that as a guitar player, even for young guitar players, learn how to play bass. That's Ooh. what taught me how to really listen to the drummer was mm. uh, when I had to actually, cause I did play bass on a few gigs, and my number one goal was to not sound like a guitar player on bass. Strums, strums. Yeah, so when I finally did that, I had a holy shit moment of realizing I had never actually been listening to the rhythm section when I was playing. I was just playing on top of everything. Totally. So, uh, yeah, listen to I figured that out, like, in my 30s. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you're ahead of the curve. (laughs) So, uh, like, as sort of of a follow-up to that, you know, it's... You, you, Dave, and Pat, I think, are in many ways like it's a master class in guitar part writing. How in that band, everyone has their own space and it doesn't mm. encroach on each other. And it adds to this huge, huge sound, which 
I know to be incredibly difficult to do and pull off. So what is your approach there when, when you're working on new material with Foo Fighters? Like, how do you find your space in terms of your parts and what you're playing? Yeah, it really goes song to song, you know. Um, you just don't want to step on anybody else, and you don't want to step on the vocal. Um, and, and you know, like like kind of what you were talking about before, like it, it is, you do kind of have to like check your ego a little bit with that. Like it's not about, you know, look at this fancy part that I came up with. It's like, you always have to remind yourself to serve the song. So mm. as long right. as that's sort of your, your guiding light, um, you know, then, then you just kind of work it out. I mean, for me, like just like on a practical side, like if, if, if I'm, if we're recording something, you know, I just like try to be in a different part of the neck even than yeah. what everybody else is doing. Just so you're not just, and then, you know, there's some songs where you just want to, we, we want to all be hitting the same power chords, you know, in unison or whatever, you know, that has a thing too. But, um, but then there's other parts where it kind of splits up and we're all kind of doing different things in different spots and it's all weaving together. And that's, that's nice. You know, yeah, it, I think people forget that, you know, the notes repeat, up the neck <laughs> and, and yeah. playing chords or anything in a different position even if you know technically it's the same all the same notes they're going to sound very different and balanced sure. differently when you're yeah. when you're playing with other people and then there's like everybody's just got their own feel of how they do it and i know like i recognize certain patterns that i often go to you know um right and i sort of t i tend to think of like rhythm parts as almost like you know you you're moving around the chord, not just necessarily hitting the chord all the time. You know, it's upstrokes and downstrokes and picking out certain accents and all that sort of stuff just to give it like a, you know, peaks and valleys. Right. Mm. Yeah. Nice. That's, well, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I remember when I when I was I, before I was in Foo Fighters, I was in a band called No Use for a Name, right? And this was the '90s, and it was like you know we were on Fat Records. It was like you know punk rock '90s punk rock kind of thing. And I remember the first time we were working on new material with them when we were making the the first record that I made with them. Um, Tony, who was the singer and the other guitar player, was like, oh, wow, you know, we've never had a guitar player that played, like, the full chords. Like, because I was, not, you know, w would try not to just be playing power chords. I'd be playing just even simple stuff, just, just you know major and minor chords you know what i mean yeah, right. but like the, the like because yeah like so many a lot of like a lot of that style of music was just you know ones and fives yeah um, right. so even just that just a little extra voicing a little extra color you know can kind of go a long way so when you're writing parts for your solo stuff or for foo fighters or whatever what is it uh are you considering theory and harmony or at all? Or are you just working off of your ear and what works best and then possibly going back and figuring it out after the fact? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean the first, so like the first songs I ever learned was in a Beatles songbook, you know? Right. So like, I think you can't separate that from your playing. Cause it's like, it's, you're sort of thinking in terms of like, I didn't go to music school. I didn't, spend a whole lot of time taking lessons i'm not a super you know theory kind of player but you can't remove yourself 
you know, from that. It's, that's just where, you know, yeah. Right. Everything. I mean, I like, like, I wish I maybe had a little more knowledge so I could get away from just the obvious stuff. But yeah, you mm-hmm. know, it's just the thirds and fifths and sevenths and all that stuff. It's, it's, of course, you know, you're thinking about how certain notes rub against what everybody else is doing. And yeah. I'm not, I mean, I guess I'm not necessarily thinking about it in real time, but that's coloring everything. You know? Right. 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 Yeah. Well, as we're kind of wrapping it up, what um, what's coming up for you? You said you got some, you know, an album and some singles coming. Yeah, up. I'm actually I've, I've got um, my band is about to walk in the door um, right now because we've got our last rehearsal today, and then we're going to go open up for Social D out in Tempe this weekend, and then nice. I got a cool. bunch of gigs in December, um, some like you know my own. Uh, uh, bar shows and then a few of them I get to go open up for Social D and then I think we're going to start putting out some new music around the end of January hopefully if we can cross all our T's and dot all our I's in time and and make that deadline but yeah I should have a a new record coming out later in the year it's it's all done it's just you know it's just sort of getting all the details complete finishing the artwork and you know all that stuff you know what I mean well, we've got a, I got one question to end on here, and it's sort of a sure. recurring theme with our guests. So, hypothetical situation. Uh, you got to yeah. go to a gig. Yep. And you can choose one or the other. You can choose a super nice, expensive, well-made, high-end guitar going into a really, really cheap, bottom-of-the-barrel budget amp. Or you can go the opposite way. You can go with cheap entry-level guitar that is set up well, so the guitars are both playable and they're both, you know, you, you can do what you need to do on them. Uh, you can go cheap guitar, but into a really high-end, expensive amplifier. Which way do you go and why? Whew. I would probably go, I mean, you know, uh, the uh, my signature model through Fender is a, you know, is an entry-level guitar. Could I take that one into a nice fancy uh- amp? Well, I would, I would take I would take the cheap guitar as long as it works. Yeah, it's going to work. It's, it's gonna work. Okay, it's going to yeah. work. There, it's not going to yeah. short out or anything. No, no, no. I'll, no, no, I'll no. probably, I'll probably go to that. Yeah. Intonated and then into the expensive amp. Yeah. Do is it is it like a plecked squire with black? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Might with, as well be right. You know, well know what I mean? And I'm taking that all day into 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 like you know my Friedman, you know, uh, full stack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like I would probably be more comfortable with an amp that sounds really good, and I could just suffer through, you know, whatever <laughs> is happening on the guitar side. <laughs> I, I appreciate I like you saying the word suffer. you're you're, se- yeah. you're settling uh, an internal debate here at uh, Dipped and Tone Industries, and I just nice. I'm happy to report that I'm two for two on this one. So wow, nice. Nice. I just, I, I'm just, you know, I just like, uh, I, I can make any amp work for the most. Yeah, part. sure, sure. Oh, there sure. you go, there yeah. you go. It's really, it's all in your hand, boys. All right. in your hands. Tones in the hand, brother. Yeah, Chris, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks. It's, uh, it's been great talking to you, and we'll keep an eye out for that solo stuff coming yeah, out. Yeah, man. People, where can people go to learn all about it? Um, I mean, I have a website, it's chrisshifflettmusic.com, and I'm probably more active on, like, Instagram and whatnot than, than that. Is that just at Chris Shiflett? Yeah. Okay. Uh, nice. No, it's, uh, oh. at Shifty71. That's what it okay. is. Okay. 
Yeah. Well, they'll, search, they'll put your name in. They'll find you. Yeah. They'll yeah, find there you. you go. Just Google People it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Thanks, man. All right, you guys. So wasn't that fun? Right. That was amazing. Honestly, like getting the... We talk about this a lot, but I, uh, if you would have told me five years ago that you and I would have a podcast and we would right. get to talk to the people that we're getting to talk to on this show, I, it, I wouldn't have believed you. It's mind You didn't even know me five years ago. I didn't, Did know, you? You, I didn't know you existed five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to have a podcast with this guy? Like, I don't know that guy. <laughs> but you know, no, you're... Still, we're still working at Carter, drink, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. So I probably either. You know, there's probably a situation that happened where I was in town for a gig or rehearsal or something because I used to go to Carter a lot, drink. And uh, you probably tried to help me with something. And little did we know that fate and destiny would bring us together to create uh, the most prolific and visionary and inspired guitar podcast to ever hit the airwaves. <laughs> Brains exploding. But God, yes, I can't wait for comments I, on that. It's. It's so awesome to get to talk to somebody who has created so much music that, that we both have enjoyed. But it sounds like it was, I mean, like, I, I've always enjoyed the Foo Fighters ever since I learned about them, like, in, like, I guess middle school yeah. um, or, or so. But it seems to be that it was a much more significant band for you and your guitar and rock and roll journey. I mean, I that, that Music Midtown show in 2011, I still point to as being one of the best in most influential shows I've ever been to. Cause it was right when I was finishing up music school and about to become a professional guitar player. And I remember watching Chris on that stage and I remember what his rig looked like. It's different than what he's got now. Yeah. And uh, just being like, dude, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to play in a rock band. And it, there's an interesting moment in that show that I, I didn't, I wanted to bring up with him, but th that European crowds will do this a lot where, in the, a low moment in a song or in the set, the crowd will start to sing the, the melody or sing the hook back to the band. And I remember that happened at Music Midtown in Atlanta. And Dave Grohl got on the mic and said that that was the first American crowd ever that had done that. That, that, mm. that organically just started chanting and singing the, the hook back to them. It was, a, it was a cool moment. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. But yeah, Chris, Chris is a great guy. Um, and what a fun what a fun hang i would love to actually hang in person sometime maybe yeah i want to catch one of his live shows one of his solo shows we'll have yeah. that link down below we'll have his website and everything linked so you can uh look up his tour dates see if he's coming to a town near you and uh and go show some support so speaking of Absolutely. you want to you want to get our shill of the week going on i i will i've got one and i don't believe i've maybe i've shown this uh if i have i don't know sue me uh, this is the Wonder Drive from Oneater. Oneater uh, <laughs> uh, from Wonder Effects. And uh, Nick is, he used to be in a, a punk rock band called The Swellers, which is, I don't, yeah. that somehow missed me in my punk rock days. I think it might be a little too old. Um, but uh, really cool drive. This thing, he says it, it's really made for stacking and it works really well stacked with other stuff, but it's a really, cool just a volume gain and then it has like a voicing switch and can do a whole lot of stuff and it's it's different and unique and um yeah he's a hell of a nice guy and uh makes some cool stuff so check out wonder i thought it was oneater because I, that thing you do is one of my favorite rock and roll movies. the oneaters uh yes captain what is it 
Captain Geach and the Captain, Shrimp Shack. Shooters. Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. <laughs> oh, I'm not here with these boys. We got a pig over there in the livestock pavilion. We're gonna win that blue ribbon. <laughs> oh man, uh, he's got a great um, TikTok, by the way, Nick. He does. Yeah, his his TikToks pop up on my feed all the time, and they're legitimately oh. great. They're yeah. He, oh yeah, he puts a lot of work and effort into them, and they're really good. So very if you're funny. Talk, go. Uh, Go follow him. Check him out. What you got? My my shill is actually what you are viewing through right now. I finally bought a new camera and lens setup. I've been trying to upgrade uh... for, well, trying to. I've, I've been wanting to upgrade for the better part of a year. Um, mm-hmm. I shoot on Sony stuff. So Sony, I've been, I've been using A7 threes forever. And I uh, finally bought an A7S three. And you can't tell because we're streaming and it's going through 1080p and it's going through my stream deck and all this stuff but it is legitimately an a mind-boggling camera it ain't cheap i paid full pop for it and a lens i bought a 24 to 70 g master lens 2.8 um look this up dude but it's i when i unboxed it and uh anybody that shoots on sony's you know that they don't have flip around screens except this one does so i finally have a flip around screen which is amazing and the 7c does too as well yeah, the 7C, but the A7 threes don't, which <laughs> is what I've been using for years. Yeah, it ain't cheap. <laughs> tax write-off. Yeah, well, write off. At least there's that. Hey, hell yeah. <laughs> Thank okay. God. Uh, it's like that scene in Shit's Creek. It's like, it's a write-off. <laughs> well, what's the write-off? It's like, well, <laughs> yeah. So anyways, uh, I'm really excited about it. Camera nerd stuff, but I awesome. I realized I needed one when we were at NAM this year, and was hanging out with uh paul davids and paul was shooting on this exact rig so yes i did rip off paul davids on this because he filmed me actually he might have had a different lens but he filmed me for this video and then i went back and watched the video when he posted it and it was like holy shit that looks amazing like i always knew the s3 was an upgrade but when i saw his footage of it i was like oh yeah it's a big step up so man I wish I knew go. how to use this stuff. I just plug it in and, and hope for the best. <laughs> so, well, um, again, we want to thank Stumac for sponsoring this episode and the previous episodes. They've been been great. And uh, just remember, if you need to to do anything on your guitar, go to stumac.com slash dipped in tone, get 10% off that order. Um, and um, yeah. And, and, and also check out their YouTube because I was just about to say. Man, and their Instagram is, is crazy. They've got um, Asher Guitars is showing uh, a restoration of a, a Weizenborn, like, uh, slide guitar, steel guitar. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting. And, they, and the guys, you know, making these videos are very informative, and they show you what they're doing and how to do it. Not that you want to dive into a <laughs> turn-of-the-century Weizenborn restoration oh, yourself no, you if do. you don't know what you're doing. No, you do. <laughs> but. No, you do. Check out all the stuff that Stumac produces. They're they're great content, good people, and, uh, and great products. That's why all the pros use them. I mean, yeah, Dan Earlywine is a uh, he has forgotten more about guitar repair and restoration than most people will ever know. And there's yeah. a there's a ton of videos featuring him on their channel. And then uh, a personal friend of mine, Chris Alvarado, Chris and Matt from Driftwood Guitars are now taking over and producing a lot of content over there on Stumac's um, YouTube channel. So. Uh, mm. It's cool. I've known those guys. Or I've known Chris since I was 16. So it's cool to see them like awesome jump up and start doing that stuff. So yeah, check it out. Well, anyways, enjoy the holidays, everyone. Have a good yes. new year. And we will see y'all in a few weeks 
2023. Remember, hard and fast. That's the, the motto for 2023. <laughs> All right. <laughs>